Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 22nd day of August 2014. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, The Family Afterward. We are on page 133. We're going to start with the first full paragraph. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Debbie, 12 Traditions, Anne-Marie, and then Sally, Chelsea, and Rakefet. The share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 21st day of August is 6781, 6781. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strengths, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Debbie B. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you. I'm Debbie B. in Canada. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Debbie. I will now ask Anne-Marie to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but, has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest money of problems, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should um, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ certain uh, special workers. Nine, OA as such 
ought never be in, be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our, pri- our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Thank Anne-Marie. You. You're welcome. Thank you, Anne-Marie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your share and be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of the family afterwards. We are on page 133 and we are beginning our reading with the first full paragraph now about health. And Sally, can you start us reading, please? Good morning, a vision for you. The Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. Now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. But this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them give freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Their services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer and in following his case afterward. One of the many doctors who had the opportunity of reading this book in manuscript form told us that the use of sweets was often helpful, of course, depending upon a doctor's advice. He thought all alcoholics should constantly have chocolate available for its quick energy value at times of fatigue. He added that occasionally in the night a vague craving arose, which would be satisfied by candy. Many of us have noticed a tendency to eat sweets and have found this practice beneficial. So going back to that first paragraph, which is really a paragraph that I early on memorize the location of because I have such a body that's badly burned. Um, When I read these words, a body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. Um, Well, first of all, I want to say that uh, since I first became on the road to putting the food down once and for all, I... um, so many things have changed about my body. I had a cholesterol of over 240 when I started. And at this time, my cholesterol is down to 180. I think it might even be lower. I haven't seen the latest numbers. I had uh, GERD. I had uh, acid reflux. was horrific. It was so bad that when I had a, um, 
an endoscopy done to my stomach. My doctor didn't see me until two weeks later because, and which really ticked me off because most of my friends and family's doctors would come and see them right there at the uh, when they'd come out of the uh, procedure. But he didn't see me, and when I went to see him, I right away angrily said I really was unhappy about his bedside manner. And he told me that he had to take a biopsy of my stomach because it looked just like Barrett's syndrome. He was so sure it was Barrett's syndrome, he didn't want to say anything to me. Barrett's syndrome is stomach cancer. So I was put on 40 milligrams of omeprazole morning and night. For years, I was on omeprazole. And, of course, when I started to eat healthfully and um, not eat uh, 40 times a day, but I actually, you know, let my stomach rest in between, um, I'm not on any omeprazole at this time. I was taken off of all the omeprazole about six months ago. I was weaned off of it, but then taken off completely. So that was a huge um, blessing to putting the food down and eating healthfully. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say this next thing because I never really told anyone this. My family are the only ones who know this. It says, we who have recovered from serious drinking, and I, of course, put in the word eating, are miracles of mental health. This is the most amazing thing that happened to me in my process and of growth and, and healing. It's that while I was in the midst of going to um, to school for my master's in psychiatry, and, you know, with reading all that it was talking about with the books, and because my mother had bipolar and my uncle had bipolar, I convinced myself I had bipolar. And I took myself, myself to a psychiatrist, and I convinced her I must have bipolar. That's what's wrong with me. That's what's wrong with my thinking. That's what's wrong with a lot of things. And so she put me on bipolar medication. And for years, I was on this antidepressant and anti-anxiety, a mood stabilizer, all these medications to cure me of bipolar. And then in the year 2010, just before I came to this particular group and another phone line, I began to realize that I did not have bipolar. I continued to study and began to realize I did not have any of the earmarks of bipolar. And so I started to wean myself off of these meds only because I knew how to wean myself off of these meds. I took myself off of all of those meds and um, no pressure speech, um, just none of the earmarks of bipolar. And so when I read this paragraph, A Body Badly Burned, it speaks to me on so many levels. Finally, I would just say that because of all of the fasting and the binging and the purging that I did for so many years, especially the fasting, 40-day fast, two-week fast, 10-day fast, three days here, three days there, um, I have an extremely slow metabolism. And that, to me, is the worst part of my body, badly burned. And so I would just say that this book gives me great hope, and just what's happened to me over a two-year period has given me great hope that God can heal, can heal anything that we've done to our body. God is in the business of recreating. That is the word that's used in this book, recreating, and that's what he's been doing for me. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And would anyone like to Carolyn, share from New York on the three paragraphs? Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, I heard Car- Carolyn or Caroline? Carolyn. Carolyn, all right. And then I heard Larry. Now I think there was someone else. Janice. Amy. Janice. Janice. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm having fun. And Amy. Okay, Carolyn, you start. Thank you. Yes, hi. Um, this is Carolyn, uh, compu- a recovered compulsive over- overeater from New York. Um, yeah, what an amazing reading. I'm going to ignore the part about the chocolate um, <laughs> and move on to the, the mental illness part. Um, there's a place in the big book where it says, you know, um, there are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Um, and, you know, I, I am bipolar, most definitely. And, um, took me years to accept that. 
Uh, it took me years to accept depression. And then when someone, you know, one of my doctors said, I think it's actually bipolar, I was freaked. I was like, no, I'm not, you know, because you hear about people with bipolar number one, which is very, very serious. I mean, more, you know, they're both serious. But number one, you know, you can do really crazy stuff and you can actually, like, see things and that aren't there, you know. Anyway, um, they said it's bipolar two, which means mostly depression with occasional mania. And um, I didn't want to accept it. So for a few more years, I didn't stay on a stabilizer. I just did an antidepressant. The result of that was that it caused me to cycle more uh, to the point where I made a huge mistake buying a house that we absolutely couldn't afford, which we are still in, and which because of the kids and and wanting to finish up school here, and uh, it has really crippled us financially. So, um, you know, that was my mania at work. And I mean, not just that. I mean, my mania, you know, people tend to think of it as like happy, happy. No, it was bitchy, bitchy and um, very poor decision making and just irritability and up all night. And anyway, the point is that I can have all that and still recover. And I I do have the capacity to be honest. But when it says many of them do recover, um, I'm like, well, less than, than people who don't have mental illness because that's discouraging. I felt that when I first came in, especially when I was thinking, I don't know if I have the capacity, to be honest. Um, but I, I now know, and I can tell everyone, and I do, you know, no matter what your mental illness problems, you know, we have suicide in my depression. No matter what your mental illness issues, you can indeed recover. And um, to me, that brings a tremendous amount of hope. So thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. Larry, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Uh, thanks for your service. Um, you know, this zero in on on you know we are convinced of the spiritual <clears throat> we are convinced of the spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative. So restorative is is something that obviously restores one's health, um, our strength, our, our feeling of well being. And and my spiritual way of life has restored me to sanity. You know, this this program of action enabled me to draw near to to my creator, and my creator, you know, disclosed himself to to me. You know, and, and as it's said in the big book, you know, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And that's what happened to me. I, I it wasn't the other. You know, I used to think that. Let me straighten out mentally and physically first, and you know the rest of it will take care of itself. I, I had that backwards. You know, the, the mental and physical factors of compulsive overeating were put into remission for me after and only after the spiritual malady was overcome. Which means, you know, that I that I'm still in danger of picking up until I have a spiritual awakening, whether I think so or not. You know, I mean, that's, you know, I can think, I can think other things, but, but that's, that's the reality today. I know that today. I've experienced that today. I've experienced both sides of that. So if the spiritual malady is left untreated, we are at risk to pick up again. You know, and, but the remedy is clear, you know, and, and, and even if I, even if I don't think so, having a spiritual awakening as the result of working these steps um, is what the remedy was for me that's that's my personal experience and, and just because it appears you know if you, like just because it appears that the cancer is contained you know you, you you feel fine you feel normal doesn't mean that it's not alive and well ready to spread at some point and that and i use that analogy it's certainly not a perfect analogy but i use that you know to, to remind myself that there were many times that i thought i was restored because i felt better feeling fine, you know, uh, and boy, I, I look pretty damn good, darn good, you know, I'm, I look pretty good, the food's down, I think I got this thing, but I, I hadn't worked through the steps and I hadn't had a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease, it's a different thing, you know, it's a different thing, thing than just dieting with group support, you know, once you work these steps, so yeah, I mean, sure, it's the, mo- um, you know, the spiritual mode of living for me today is, is a powerful health restorative. And I, I feel like I am a miracle of, of mental and physical health today. And to the next, you know, sentence, but this does not mean that we just, just um, regard human health measures. Certainly, I take care of myself today 
when when I was uh, compulsively overeating and, and locked in the insanity of this disease, I didn't go to the doctor. You know, I didn't. You know, I brushed my teeth. Uh, you know, when it was convenient, I take care of myself today because God has 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 allowed me to understand that I'm worth it today. It's a different thing. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry and Janice. You're up. Did you call me, Monica? I did. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here I am, Janice M. <laughs> <laughs> Recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. All these paragraphs intertwine with each other. First of all, <clears throat> you know, I know that I have a twofold disease, the allergy of the body, which putting down the food takes care of that physical part of my, of my illness. Now, it's the second part, the obsession of the mind, that the 12 steps will heal. We'll, we'll take it away, take away, uh, remove the obsession for one day. So I know that. However, and that gives me recovery. I am recovered from that. Um, abstinence alone, you know, is not recovered. But recovered contains abstinence. Now, of course it's a miracle. It's a miracle because we're transformed. However, in the next paragraph, it tells us, you know, some of us, including myself and the family, you know, people in the family here, that's what we're talking about, plus myself as a compulsive overeater, um, we need additional help. We may need additional help in the medical field, which I did with diabetes or a nutritionist, a diabetic nutritionist. And so, you know, God gave us those people. Thank God for doctors, you know, uh, because I can't solve medical problems myself. I need some input because I don't have the knowledge. And um, I always get a couple of uh, opinions anyway, and that's from God. And then on the mental side, yeah, don't hesitate. That's what the psychiatrists are for. That's what the psychologists are for. I had to, you know, put my pride down in my family to, you know, my, my son is, a, is an alcoholic and a drug user. Today, thank you, God, recovered. But he also needed additional help. Now, I didn't want to believe that he needed additional help because how could he? You know, we're, we're all right here. But, of course, he did. So, you know, he was on medication. Now, he cannot, I think, well, this is what the inform that we got. We, we cannot, at least I cannot, this is my own experience, just get off the medication ourselves because that could be dangerous. And as a sponsor and as a family member, I can't tell anybody to do that. You know, that is the professionals. It's beyond me. It's beyond me. But you see, God has given other doctors um, and family members the, a brain to use. And that's what we have to do because it's very dangerous for a sponsor to tell anybody to get off medication because we're here for one purpose and one purpose only. And, it's, and it is dangerous for us to do the same. This, I'm just talking about me now. And then, of course, I'm, I'm going to comment about the sweets. This is the only place in the big book that, that addresses exclusively alcoholics. It doesn't pertain to compulsive overeaters. Exclusively. To, ex, to, uh, to alcoholics. Um, and so that's all right. So it's here. And um, I know from experience that's what they do because it's first things first, take care of the alcohol, which is the primary purpose, primary uh, problem, and then just substitute that and then let them take care of the next problem. Um, whereas for me as a compulsive overeater, I can't do that. But uh, with that, um, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Amy, you're next. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and thank you, everyone, who has shared. Um, just to piggyback on what others have talked about, um, this idea of a twisted thinking and depression does not vanish, you know, in a twinkling. If we look at step one in the AA 12 and 12, it says, you know, we have warped our minds to such destructive eating that only an act of providence can remove it for us. And for us, that act of providence of God is that spiritual transformation 
um, you know, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery that happens through the process of working the steps. So, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. And that type of thinking that we have uh, that we that I've been using for years and years and years in my active compulsive overeating does not vanish. And that as I work through the steps, I get more and more restored to sanity through this spiritual mode of living that they're talking about. And that process brought me to the land of recovered. But that thinking, you know, that we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, when I first walked into Overeaters Anonymous, I wanted to be struck abstinent and, uh, and not have to deal with the rest of my life. You know, the reality of what goes beyond this disease and abstinence and what we have to do to change means that we have to be working these 12 steps on a daily basis. Our recovery is contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. And that's something that, I mean, I found great relief by reading this paragraph, that I didn't have to work this program perfectly, and that I wasn't relapsing if I had a crazy thought every once in a while, you know, walking down the candy aisle at the grocery store and the food called to me. I was, oh, am I in relapse? You know, no, not to be thinking in a way um, that I have to do this perfectly. And also, you know, more hope in this paragraph. I, you know, anywhere in the big book where it says recovered, I have highlighted, I have circled, just like on page 17, nearly all have recovered. They have solved the drink problem. I mean, it's such hope. And here we have in this paragraph, yes, we may not work the program perfectly. Yes, we may have still twisted thinking, and we're working on that by the grace of God of the 12 steps. But we who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health. And then going on about the physical transformation, such hope here as fact that we are recovered. And what a testimony. Talk about miracles of transformation, about how our bodies, as compulsive overeaters, we are walking, we have the ability to carry a message just by visually how we change. Yes, it's not about just the losing the weight, but the reality of, of what we look like as we become recovered and are recovered and work the 12 steps and lose the weight that we need to lose. We have an ability to carry a message just by how we look visually because we become miracles of mental health. We become miracles by our bodies, and we can be a testimony just, just visually. And that's a powerful, powerful message. When you drop a lot of weight and someone asks you, how did you do it? Let us be prepared to answer those questions that lead people that need this program to, these, to this book. And also this question about don't hesitate to take your health problems to your doctor. You know, uh, most of them give freely, freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. You know, I've talked to many of doctors and many of therapists. They are an incredible resource now in this day and age of referral to our program. I mean, it's one of the biggest referrals besides maybe, well, I would say therapists and doctors. I was going to say uh, court orders, but that's more for alcoholism. But the reality of what doctors and therapists and psychiatrists of them referring, they want to know more, at least from my experience when I talk to a doctor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, and they're saying, no, they refer folks. You know, we need to be on working together with them as we carry the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater because they have the ability to do that as well. And, and I just want to say one more thing about the sweets. <laughs> I, you know, agree. This is just, you know, what Janet has said. This is in reference to what is recommended, you know, for the alcoholic. And for those of us, I mean, I was always told, I talked to my sponsor. Of course, I zeroed in when I, you know, read about that. And I'd be like, you know, what about those vague cravings or whatever? And by the grace of God, the physical allergy for me, now that the substance is out of my system, the physical allergy is not triggered. So I wouldn't say I have cravings per se, but, you know, for the person that has a craving to do something, um, you know, that might lead them back to the food, my sponsor had always said to me, instead of doing the candy thing that the big book says, is that we look to where we can serve another still-suffering compulsive overeater in those moments. Remember, it says nothing ensures immunity from compulsive overeating or drinking than working with another alcoholic or a still-suffering compulsive overeater. So my sponsor said, take out the, the chocolate part and said, in times of fatigue or craving, pick up the phone and call a newcomer, and that will ensure immunity from um, picking up the food. 
that's enough out of me. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And let's Sir move Kessel? on. And oh. Chelsea, would you please read the next three paragraphs? Okay. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. A word about sex relations. Alcohol is so sexually stimulating to some men that they have overindulged. Couples are occasionally dismayed to find that when drinking is stopped, the man tends to be impotent. Unless the reason is understood, there may be an emotional upset. Some of us have had experience only to enjoy in a few months a finer intimacy than ever. There should be no hesitancy in consulting a doctor or psychologist if the condition persists. We do not know of many cases where the difficulty lasted long. The alcoholic may find it hard to reestablish family-friendly relations with his children. Their young minds were impressionable while he was drinking. Without saying so, they may cordially hate him for what he has done to them and their mother. The children are sometimes dominated by a pathetic hardness and cynicism. They cannot seem to forgive and forget. This may hang on for months, long after their mother has accepted dad's new way of living and thinking. In time, they will see that he is a new man, and in their own way, they will let him know it. When this happens... They can be invited to join in morning meditation, and then they can take part in daily discussion without rancor or bias. From this point on, progress will be rapid. Marvelous results often follow such a reunion. And I'm still Chelsea. I'm still recovered for today. So um, normally there's a lot of chuckling at this uh, about the sex part with me because um it was an issue with me, actually, being an alcoholic, too, and being um, a wife and raising kids and being a daughter of all this um, chaos and mayhem that comes about with addiction in general. But what this information is telling me is that now that I have recovered and now that I am living in spiritual mode of what they talked about earlier, is that this is the behavior that I can expect different things to crop up, and this is how my behavior should be when it happens. I don't have to panic. I don't have to go and eat over it because this is telling me this kind of stuff might come up. And it's it's only natural because of the way that I had been living my life prior to living in spiritual mode. And it's telling me here that... Um, Normally, the stimulating effects that I got from um, overindulging in inappropriate behaviors, which I did, that now I will sit quietly and be redirected to take a moment and just pause and see what's really going on. And if there really is a situation going on where I need to see a doctor, then I can go and consult the doctor. And then it also goes on to say, not only with your relationships with your spouse, because this is the family afterwards, or your partner, or whatever the case, is that if you have kids in the household, they've been affected. So everybody's been affected by this disease, not just me. So here's, the behavior, here's what possibly could come up with the kids. It may take them a while to see that, you know, I'm not coming in again as a tornado, the way it talked about earlier in the book, I'm not coming in like that anymore. And the old Chelsea, you know, they're waiting for that old Chelsea to show up or the old mom or the, you know, in this case, or the old dad, whatever the case may be, because the historically the behavior had been quite different. So it's, it goes on to say that um, things may hang on for months long after mother has accepted dad's new way of living and thinking, living and thinking. So it's behavior and actions, what's happening here now. And as a demonstration that we have actually turned our will and our life over to something greater and that we're living under guidance and direction from powers much greater than we have to keep situations in check, in time our behavior is going to show 
that we will um, eventually, the family will see that we have changed and that it has been, uh, it's because the change is so drastic too. The family will see that we have changed and they'll say, and over time, they'll say, oh, well, you know what? That old dad hasn't shown up. Because remember, the book had talked to us about families being reunited. That was the whole attraction. Families were reunited. And then here's this promise that um, in time, when the family sees that the behavior has actually shifted and changed, from, the po- from that point on, when the family accepts it, they can join in with the morning meditation or even with the peacefulness in life. They can relax themselves and accept it. And from that point on, it says progress will be rapid. That's a promise here. Marvelous results often follow such a reunion. So once everybody's in, on the same footing spiritually with their own sources greater than themselves, these are personal relationships after all, when peace is in the household because people are living on a spiritual basis, then everybody, the spiritual malady has been taken care of, so everybody's straightening out physically, mentally, emotionally. The whole family is then to able to be joined together as a unit, as a peaceful dwelling, caring, respect, love, and tolerance for one another. And the, I guess the most important thing for um, me that I think I get from this is that it had spoke to us on page 130 earlier in the reading about how um, we keep our heads in the clouds with him, but that our feet are firmly planted on this earth. While we're in spiritual mode, we have to live among humans, because after all, we'll never rise above being human. So our behavior after this revolutionary change, after we have had um, a complete rearrangement, our feet grasp new soil, our roots grasp new soil, like it talked about in Bill's story on page 12. We were on different footing. Our feet are on the ground, but it's on different footing and it grasps new soil. And because of the change that God graces us with, the God of our understanding, we're now able to live as sane, sensible folks, and then life is much more peaceful. And it's all a result of actually taking these steps and then living them in all your affairs, and then helping somebody else to learn how to do the same thing by teaching them the steps and by them teaching someone else and on and on. And peace is there and in the household. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Chelsea. Would anyone like to comment on these three paragraphs? Sheila. This would be Paula. Melanie. Sheila. Paula. Melanie? Yes. Melanie and Suji. Okay. Sheila, you're up first. Good morning, Vision for You family. Uh, Sheila H. from New York, recovering a day at a time. Thank you, God. Oh, boy. This particular paragraph here was such an impact. I don't know where to begin. How much could you say in three minutes? Um, the entire family is impacted by this disease, and you see the results in your children more than even if you can't see it for yourself. You see the reaction and the results. And I know that... It took a long time to repair um, the damage of the alcoholism with my children. Um, I had a sponsor at the time that was a double winner. She was in AA as well as Al-Anon and encouraged me to take the children to um, family service, which, you know, at that time, that wasn't my culture to go talk to people. You know, it just wasn't my culture. I won't go more into it. And I had to open myself up for recovery, you know, taking them to Alateen, getting them in group therapy, I mean family therapy, and an individual for myself, and even for myself. It was something that we never imagined that we would go through, but the result of that was seeing when the healing began and seeing the trust and the comfortability and the fear, that look in their face was no longer there. Like, you didn't, you didn't know what was coming through the door. And, um, you know, then the holidays were the worst. I remember holding my breath from, like, Thanksgiving to January 2nd because you didn't know what was happening. And so this is where the 12 steps and the 12 traditions helped because every single day I learned there was an opportunity 
to look at one of these steps or traditions and see how it can help change my day, how it can help change me, how I can surrender to a power greater than myself to have my family in a healthy environment. And I come from both sides of it. So I'm the daughter of, the wife of, you know, and so um, not enough that I could say about it. All I can say is that I am so grateful, and I never thought I would say that, that I am grateful that I found my way to a 12-step program. Um, because my kids deserved at least one sane parent, I thought at the time. And even with my own disease now, it's kind of hard for them to kind of capture that their mom has a disease because they feel their mom is, you know, warrior, warrior mom. And, and I have to tell them, yes, I do. And it's kind of hard for them, but they see it and they understand it, you know, and because they've been open and they've been educated in a way to think openly. Um, they're accepting it, but it is a gift. I tell newcomers, you're giving yourself a gift, especially if you have children, when you walk into a room um, where there's recovery spoken. Thanks, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sheila. Paula, you're up. And thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service today. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. The line I'd like to, to kind of circle around is, the children are sometimes dominated by pathetic, look at that word, pathetic hardness and cynicism. It's so sad. And, you know, I'm not the other side of the coin. I was both sides of the coin. I know what it is to be a daughter of. And, you know, I know what it is to hate and see promise after promise broken. And yet I did the same thing. You know, on page 83, and oh, I love this, it says, these we were told that the road of reconstruction will be a long one. I mean, they don't they don't make no bones about it. It may be a long one, but we must take the lead by living our program day by day. See, that's what they never saw. That's what I never saw. Was that person the same as yesterday, as tomorrow or today? No, every day was different. I didn't know where, what I was going to find. And then it came to the place of I didn't know what I was going to be. This is where the disease takes you. But I want to go on here where the recovery takes you, to be recovered. They cannot seem to forgive and forget. They may hang on for months, long after their mother has accepted Dad's new way of living and thinking. As an adult and child, we think differently. In time, they will see he's a new man in their own way. They will let him know it. What is that way? Finally, to look at no fear, to finally believe and depend on. You know, it says here, most, if not all of us, have broken promise after promise after promise. And you know what? They had been patient. Many had been patient. Now we have to be patient with them. You know, on page 83, it says so beautiful, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior, be clear, our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. You know, God gave us one month, mouth and two ears, and he gave us eyes to see. But even the eyes, he put lids on. But the ears, listen. Continue to listen to your children. Even when it hurts you to realize the pain, we listen. We demonstrate. Today, yes, as I distributed a meanness in my disease and was dealt with me, today I distribute what has been given to me, love, tolerance, understanding, compassion. I thank you for allowing me to share that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Melanie, you're up. Hi, good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I look at this from a from a, a, a holistic approach to it. It's not surprising to me that they mention about sex relations and what it might have done to my body organically. Um, we certainly understand that in terms of the four-step situation. We have resentment, fear, and sex inventories that we need to take that would cover this particular situation. But 
my disease is systemic. It affects every single aspect, every gene in my body. And that I used food and alcohol to alter that to be stronger, better, braver, bolder. And when all of it's taken away, the disease stops, starts bubbling up. And it's not surprising to me that it would affect and did affect me in this particular way. And I think that the caution here that's being presented is that we take this and look at it in a total total aspect of um, being systemic and that we wouldn't take it personally. Yet it does speak about um, intimacy because they're, they're including not only the true physical sex act of intercourse, but they're talking about intimate relationships as a whole, that it then goes down into whatever connection or, or, or breakdown that I had with even my children and that we could discuss it at that particular level. It really is a family issue. It really is systemic throughout my own ter- internal organic body, but systemic within the relationships of my family. And that if we approach it in that particular way, we are going to find marvelous results that follow. It's such a brilliant thing, and I'm so grateful that they didn't shy away from a very specific component of that and bring it out in here. And we might very carefully um, and maybe in some ways at some sort of levity be able to discuss it. Um, But I wanted to repeat the idea that this is about um, being restored. This is about getting um, raw again, about seeing what really the disease is when it bubbles up and there's nothing on top of it anymore and the things that we have to do to, to address every aspect of it and that nothing be left without some sort of place and form in which to submit it to a methodology such as this and be recovered from that as well. It's more than the emotional aspect of it that we're being recovered from, and I'm grateful that we can discuss it here this morning. Uh, thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. Suji, you're next. Star one to unmute, Suji. Yes, I there am you are. here, Monica. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Grateful, recovered member of our fellowship from outside of the city of sisterly and brotherly and humanly love in Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, I I found, okay, I, I like the holistic approach. I also can't help but have the medical model approach. That's the one I was trained in. Um, and I need humility to deal with that one for sure. God help me. So I think about this this page. I mean, I think when I first read the stuff about the sweet stuff, I, I just went into hysterics. I thought, oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, this is the, this is the guidebook. But as has been said, this is not the guidebook to the compulsive overeater. That, that's, in fact, the guidebook's really ultimately between me and my higher power and listening to the sharing that happens that brings out the higher power, and there's the wisdom. So I look on this, this page with all of these things, which my medical model starts to want to scream and laugh and go, oh, what did they know? What did Dr. Silkworth know? An allergy, now we know much more about allergies. It's not an allergy. Who cares? What Dr. Silkworth did was he had a beautiful spirituality that said, I can't help you as much as one of your own kind can. And go, and I don't know how it works, but it's working. Go go forth, young man, and multiply the community of recovered. And he had a great compassion and a great humility. He didn't think he could solve the whole problem, and he couldn't. And, and I think there's a God joke in this page here because, there's some misinformation here as we understand it now, like like impotence after you stop drinking. How about impotence while you're drinking? But they didn't necessarily know that, and it this was written by imperfect people, just like the doctors are imperfect people, the ministers, the rabbis, the priests, they're imperfect people because we're all human, and we don't have to know exactly what's going on. What we need is in the appendix. And my medical model says appendix, and there's another laugh. Ha ha, the appendix of vestigial organs, something we don't need anymore. And what do appendices do to human beings? Well, they do what they did to my husband. They can rupture. They can cause great pain. They can almost kill you if you don't get rid of them. 
So so I I look to Appendix 2. There's the source for me, and it says there is a principle, which is a bar against all information, which is a proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man or a woman in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation, Herbert Spencer. Keep an open mind. That's what this page screams at me. And it says, this book isn't a perfect book. I mean, the, the, Bible, the Bible of my forefathers was the Torah, the, or the Old Testament, as it's called. God, I went, I went to Bible study, Torah study groups where we read that. Those people were insane. Those, those uh, patriarchs and their wives and their children, they were a bunch of nuts. Esau stealing Jacob's birthright. For heaven's sakes, what were they up to? The same thing we're up to. We have to get it. Getting it is a holistic process. It's getting the whole picture and then letting go of it and living your life. If, if I'm, I'm going to visit my youngest daughter who's getting ready to take her first teaching position. She's scared to death. And I am feeling so blessed. But she said, Mom, I do want you to come. Just come. Be an extra pair of hands. Help me out here. I'm going through a hard time in my life. Now, I know, because I was a young professional once, I know she's terrified. There's no way I'm going with her to her first day of teaching. In fact, she told me, leave before Labor Day, Mom. We're, we're setting the parameters of this visit. And, and I'm going to do that. But I feel so blessed that I have a 29-year-old daughter who trusts me enough to let me, the person who used to embarrass her by just being her mother, she's letting me come and help her. And I'm... I'm just welcoming and I'm spending a few days praying and meditating and cleaning up the mess at home before I go because I know the baggage I'll bring if I don't bring my program with me, but I'm not bringing it to to shoot her with it. I'm not going to preach it to her. I'll call one of you when I need help. So thanks for being there. Thanks for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Suji. And we're going to take a few extra minutes this morning and go and, and finish the chapter up. Rakafet, can you finish the uh, the chapter, please? Rakafet, star one to unmute. Rakafet, are you there? Monica, it's Sally. I'd be happy to do it if you need me to. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Bill Sally recovered in South Jersey. Whether the family goes on a spiritual basis or not, the alcoholic member has to if he would recover. The others must be convinced of his new status beyond the shadow of a doubt. Seeing is believing to most families who have lived with a drinker. Here is a case in point. One of our friends is a heavy smoker and coffee drinker. There was no doubt he overindulged. Seeing this and meaning to be helpless, helpful, his wife commenced to admonish him about it. He admitted he was overdoing th- these things, but frankly said that he was not ready to stop. His wife is one of those persons who really feels there is something rather sinful about these commodities, so she nagged and her intolerance finally threw him into a fit of anger. He got drunk. Of course, our friend was wrong, dead wrong. He had to painfully admit that and mend his spiritual fences. Though he is now a most effective member of Alcoholics Anonymous, he still smokes and drinks coffee, but neither his wife nor anyone else stands in judgment. She sees she was wrong to make a burning issue out of such a matter when his more serious ailments were being rapidly cured. We have three little mottos which are apropos. Here they are. First things first, live and let live. Easy does it. Thanks. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone like to comment on this last page? Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much, Monica, for your service. 
whether the family goes on a spiritual basis or not, the alcoholic member has to if he would recover. You know, and this is a <laughs> this is the bottom line for, you know, people like us, uh, real compulsive overeaters. I know, you know, when I first started trudging this journey, I was uh, newly married and, uh, you know, there were talks of divorce, um, you know, by my in-laws and by my husband, um, you know, because uh, because of the madness and mayhem of, of this illness. Um, and, you know, I sat across the table from someone in whom the problem had been solved, and this text was brought to life to me as he cracked open these pages. And, you know, despite years of involvement with psychology and despite uh, therapy and despite self-help, um, throughout those years, I did not see the defects of character, the old ideas and the attitudes that dominated me. And, you know, and, you know, as I trudged this journey over these decades, um, you know, it was very clear that this was going to need to be more than ordinary religion and even you know, just your garden variety faith wasn't going to be enough for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater with an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. What the text was teaching me and what those who had recovered were telling me was that this had to be a transforming experience. Despite what anybody else in my family was going to be doing, I had to be transformed. I had to have a conversion experience. I had to have a personality change to to bring about recovery. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened as a result of a spiritual awakening. A change occurred, and I became changed in the way I thought, and I became changed in the way I felt, and I became especially changed in the way I behaved. And what distinguished this, this 12-step process from the other self-help programs and, you know, books, et cetera, that I had um you know, pursued was that this change was done to me, not by me, because this step process, uh, you know, was done by the master's hand and in conjunction with a learning process, you know, which allowed to produce a new person. I became a new person after two decades of mental bedlam and mayhem and madness. I became a new person living a new way of life, and that was a transformation, and that was absolutely profound. And when I say it's a learning process, I'm not talking about, you know, like when you're in school and you cram uh, and, you know, learn and gain a bunch of knowledge. Real learning of the program is what this program gives to us if we're very careful about it. There's a permanent change in our behavior that's brought about and sustained by this practice of these 12 steps, this wisdom, this knowledge that we've gained so that we continue to grow and we continue to change and we continue to affect others. And we continue, you know, a whole family has been built out around me. Because of this program, and there's a language in my household. There is a language of this text in my household. You know, so today when I say to you, I believe that I have a better life today than I could have ever had had I never had this illness. That is an extremely profound statement to make. Because I can say to those on the, on the call here, you know, to uh, bring us your failure and bring the program your shame and your guilt and your resentments and your, uh, you know, fears, and this program of recovery will give you something more than it's worth, <laughs> you know, something much more than just the simple elimination of binge foods. It can give you, as it gave me, wholeness, soundness, a restored life, a renewed life, a new life, a new happiness, that's what this program gave to me, and that's certainly the message of hope and possibility that's there for you as well. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And this is Monica, and I'm just going to have a few little comments here on the, the three little models at the end of the page here. First things first, you know, the first step. Know who and what I am. You know, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and and never to stray from that. And also, the first priority, you know, is put the food down. 
live and let live. You know, acceptance is the key. And also, you know, Monica, mind your own business. You know, who 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 left me to know everything? Easy does it. You know, cease fighting anything or anyone. Relax and take it easy because I'm trusting and relying and depending on God now. You know, God, what is your will for me today? Because I couldn't do it myself, but he can. And the choices are always mine, you know. So, But I lean on God and ask him on my own or I, I lean on God, you know. What, what do you want here? And it's so much easier. And with that, I will pass. And we've come to the end of our time. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared this morning. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164. And Chelsea, could you read for us from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Are you still with us? This is Rakefit. Okay, Rakefit, go ahead, please. Yes, I'm sorry about before. I was trying to unmute and I accidentally hung up. Um, I apologize. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank Thank you.